Hey everyone, this is Tony. I'm the Dungeon Master of the campaign, and with me today are the following players. Hi, I'm Bethany, and I'll be playing Belinda Walsingham, the Half-Elf Awakened Mystic. Hi, this is Adam, and I will be playing Akiva Khonshu, the Shadar Kai Hexblade Warlock. Hi, I'm Jane, and I'm playing Nissa Turin, the Gnome Arcane Trickster Rogue. Hi, I'm Mike, and I'm playing Scribner Shannon Whitecliffe, the Human Rogue Fighter. Next week will be Sharp and Quill, Episode 11. Join us now for Sharp and Quill, Episode 10, Shape the Chaos. Last time, the party arrived in the city of Ashmalin and began to explore the city, seeing the wonder of Salon and architecture, before arriving at the shrine to Vladir. Searching the shrine, they eventually found a portal that took them into the Temple of the Prime, where it seemed more challenges were awaiting them. Hi guys, what I miss? Not much. We just got here, and then you bamfed in pretty much. We were waiting for you. And now that we're all here... Let's go this way. Don't touch anything. We have to go in order. We're going Archon and then we'll go Adar. We don't know that yet. Just look around. Don't touch anything. Dora Hill is staring at everything and kind of at all of you. Do you know anything about all of this, Dora Hill? No. Did you three see those symbols too? The symbols on the floor? Yeah. You didn't put them there? What do you mean? Have they not always been there? No. Oh. That's odd concerning i've never seen those symbols before i guess only the chosen of ladir can see them congratulations or those who are connected to a prime god yeah i was trying to be nice i think that's you buddy well what are you talking about belinda's definitely more of a dedicant than i am dora hill is still just staring and just hasn't actually closed her mouth in all this time just still kind of like gaping i'll kind of walk up to her you okay are you dealing? Where is Vladir? What is this place? Vladir's not one of the prime gods. This is something more ancient. It's what we're actually here to find. Welcome to the Temple of the Prime. Okay. It's gonna be okay. I'll, I'll pat her back. I'm gonna pull out some comfort rations, just like little sweets and something to nibble on. And She kind of like takes it and almost like weak need, like sits on the ground. Exactly. Take a seat. Take a breath. The ruins look to be stable, so we're fine. Do you have any previous delving experience? Just turns to stare dumbfounded at you. I will take that as a no. That's okay. Scrib is an archaeologist. And I'm very excited. I just take another look around. This is so well preserved. I'll take care of her. You can go look around. Okay. I leave her the rest of that set of comfort rations and immediately make a beeline for the Archon door. So you approach? Yeah, I will approach along with. So you can all of this in the stairs. There's like this uh, little platform right outside the door. As you guys get closer, you notice the faint hint of a glow on the symbol of a slight red glow from the door of Archon. Is it a trap is what I'm concerned about or? Roll investigation. I'm going to say to the group, sorry, I didn't really want to bring her with, but I couldn't leave her behind. She would have been freaking out and would have drawn a bunch of attention. Like I told them, we could have come back saying that we were the Chosen of Ladir. It would have been great. Oh, shoot. She's a hostage, isn't she? Darn it. She's not a hostage. She's just here and in shock. We will just let her sit here and then tell her to not wander off because she might get into trouble and we'll have to come save her. And then we might... Yeah, okay. She's kind of a hostage. Not a good idea leaving her by herself. I think we got to bring her with us. So what was the investigation check? A 28, a crit. So inspecting the door, there's no traps on the door. Because of the crit, you notice as you're kind of inspecting the glow and the outline, two things. One, whatever's glowing seems to be able to be separated from the door somehow. It, you kind of like check it though, but it's not moving. It seems like it can be detached somehow, this inverted pyramid. It's like a tablet in the door that you can pull out, right? Yes, but you kind of like feel along, but you don't feel in edges. And yet there's like this tiny seam as if it, it doesn't belong. It's not part of what the rest of the door. Two, it glowed slightly more when Belinda was closer. Like there was a slight glow when you approached. There was a stronger glow when Belinda approached. 
And you notice that it's kind of like Belinda, I'm assuming you're occasionally like looking around Scrib's shoulder to see what he's... Yeah, yeah, I'm not like putting hands on anything. No, 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 but like you'd peek around just to kind of like get a closer look and it would glow a little bit brighter. And that's because of your nat 20 that you notice this. Mm, Maybe it hates me, actually. That's what I'm thinking. Hey, Nissa. Yes? You hate the law, right? Yeah, I guess. Can you do me a favor and then run over to the Adar door over there? I want to check something. Sure. Okay, so you scurry over to the Adar door. Is it glowy? Nope. Okay, thanks. It was a good idea. There is a handle on the door, by the way. I will open the door. You open it, and you can see about five feet into this chamber. There's a little slight glow, and then a shimmer of, like, orange and red... And there's a platform directly beyond the edge of the door that all of you could stand upon. But there is very clearly a mag- some sort of effect that is blocking your field of vision. Okay, so it's more of a mist gate, not like a portal to another plane or something. It's like a force field. It's not a portal. It seems like as you're staring into whatever this is, there's a slight shimmer to everything around it. There is a magical effect in this room, but whatever it is is also somehow impeding your vision. It's hindering it so that you can only see a few feet beyond the entranceway and see this clear platform. Yeah, everyone come on over. Bring Dora Hill. <laughs> cool. I'm gonna pull out some rope, tie it around my waist. Who wants to play anchor? We could start with touching it first. We could either touch it or we can also look and see if it's the same thing in the other doors. Let's open the other doors and see what happens. The more information we have, not saying you can't jump into this magic wall. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> you guys go to check the other doors. They do not open. Good. Okay. Then we have all the information we need. This is the way forward. We have to go in order. It's Archon, and then Adar, then Serdea, and then Sikton. It's the same way that we got here in the first place. I'm imagining it's the same way that we opened that big door in the front. Yes, I, I also understand. But can we do any sort of assessment of the magic we are looking at, Tony? Roll an Arcana check. 18. Four. Natural 20, so 23. Akiva? It's magic. Belinda and Nissa. Both of you get a sense that the shimmering veil that kind of covers your field of view is kind of an equivalent of the spell Guards and Wards, a protective measure to inhibit the field of view, but it seems to be only focused on that aspect of it. It's just visual? The shimmering wall, yeah, is a visual effect. That's it. So you can tell, like, once you step past it, you'll be able to see whatever it is beyond. Nissa specifically, while not a portal to another plane of existence, this barrier from what you can gather of how the magic works and your own talks with Eren and your own understanding of magic, it seems like there may be a protective measure about this barrier and there are environmental effects beyond it. So it's trying to stop other effects from leaking out. It's like a magical containment field? Yes. Okay. That's keeping stuff in. Yes. Cool. Great. I'll, I'll relay it to the group. Cool. I will see if there's any sort of cloth that I can use to keep out sand, dirt, poisonous gas. Put that around my mouth. Hand the other end of the rope that is tied around my waist. Wait, what? No, we're obviously all going. <laughs> I mean, if I step in and it's dangerous, I would... How would we know? I tug on the rope and you pull me back. I guess. But what if you just like vanish in there and we don't know where you went? Oh, then you'll have to jump in after me. Yeah, yeah. And then that might be worse than if we just all go, right? I mean, we all are going to have to go. Fair. It's the only way forward. I'll bundle up the rope again. Hey, I mean, you're welcome to step in first. I'm just saying we should all go together. Is that okay, Dora Hill? I'm not going to force you telepathically. I will make her go with us. As long as the rest of you maybe go first, I'll be right behind all of you. Why don't you hold on to someone? How about I go with you at the same time? It would make me feel better just in case something happens that I can help protect you. Can you be slightly in front of me so that I can step behind you? Because you look much sturdier than I do. I'll hold out my hand if you hold my hand. I don't like holding hands right now, but she'll like kind of grip your sleeve. This is how we get answers. Just nods. If I feel her for one second pull the sleeve off, I will reach out and grab her. That's fine. 
Oh man, she's just wearing clothes, right? She's wearing priest garb. Hold on. We have a spare set of armor. Let's toss that on her. I mean, it's weird. It's awkward. Yep. You're giving her uh, studded leather? Yeah, so sorry. We'll just take a step back before she... Sorry, Dorhill. Um, just in case there's something dangerous, can we put some armor on you? We have some spare. I reach into my pack. I get the studded leather armor that I used to wear. Make sure she's secured in that. Dorhill, you know spells, correct? A few, yes. Do you know anything that could help protect you? I don't know what is beyond that. And I did not prepare those particularly because I did not assume- That is okay. That is okay. I was just curious. Spells are good, but sometimes you just need an extra knife, and I will pull out a boot knife and hand it over. I was say, sorry, Dorhill, I know we haven't given you a lot of permission. Uh, we are Sharpened Quill. We are professional adventurers. We do this for a living. Okay. We're currently looking into something for Throvin Overshade. I gathered that. We talked about that earlier. You'll be fine. So with help, she will put the studded leather armor on, and then is ready to go. And she holds your dagger a little, like, unused to it, but not completely. You do notice, however, as she kind of takes your dagger, she's, I mean, I have a ceremonial one, and she kind of reaches under her robes and pulls out a beautiful glass dagger. Do you feel more comfortable with that one? Yes. Okay. This is fine and feasible, but I am more used to this one. She kind of tucks it back away. Yeah, no, then keep that one. You're in a completely unknown space and you're not comfortable and i understand that i just want to make sure that you're safe i was getting ahead of myself and i'm sorry let us see what vladir has brought us to so you all step into the room yes so as you guys step into the room words seem to form along this wall in front of you first it is in celestial so belinda you read uh, as you step in, when chaos was birthed, it sought only to change, never to remain the same, but always tear apart and rebuild before repeating the process. I will say that out loud for the group's benefit. To continue on, exert your will over the chaos to bring some form of order before the chaos consumes you. And as you repeat those words, the door behind you slams shut and the barrier in front of you dissipates. Beyond, you see emptiness. Flashes of fire streak across. Chunks of earth fly in the space. There is wind, water, some sort of gaseous element in front of you. This dizzying array of elemental energies before you. Occasionally, you see glimpses beyond to what looks like a doorway. And beyond this, streaks of all this different elemental type of energy, you see several figures that are beginning to approach you. Most of these figures seem to be bird-like in appearance, but as they start to get closer, you notice what looks like a deer's face and head with large antlers and sharpened teeth. This colorful, like, hawk-looking bird that is about five feet long. Those are the majority of the creatures that are starting to approach. There is one that is different. One that is a humanoid in form, but red-skinned and toad-like. You see seven of those winged creatures and one of that red toad man. Between the platform you're standing on and that far doorway is nothing. There is no floor. There's just elements flying across. If you stare down from the platform that you are currently standing on, it drops into more of this chaotic elemental flying stuff. In the meantime, I would like everyone to roll initiative. So as these chaotic elements fly about the battlefield... Akiva, you react first. So I'm going to go ahead and cast Hex as a bonus action on the big toad. That was your bonus action. And then as my action, I will go ahead and toss an Eldritch Blast at him. Make your two attack rolls. The first one was an 11. That's a miss. Second one was a 27. 27 hits. What is the damage for that one plus your Hex? Yeah, I got a 6 for the damage on that. So plus 3 is 9 total damage. Akiva, you reach out using your warlock powers to focus a hex 
as even in the midst of this chaos, dark tendrils surround this red-toed creature, this slod. And then swing your blade as you release two Eldritch Blasts. One goes and smacks into a flying piece of stone that just shatters. The other one actually hits the slod in the chest, and it recoils slightly from the impact. You notice there seems to be a platform floating under the slod in midair. Okay. Point that out. Hey, guys, they seem to be, uh, the slot at least seems to be standing on some sort of platform. Can I shimmy my way over to put the door hill behind me? Yes. It is one of the weird flying creatures turns, the paratums. It is going to fly all the way up to you. To me? Yeah. And goes to first gore you with its antlers, and you hold your blade up and catch its antlers and push it aside as it then goes to rake you with its talons and you take a quick step back as it hits nothing but air and then in this flurry of attacks it pulls back 10 feet without taking an opportunity attack <gasps> what a bunch of butts Dora Hilt does not know what to do kind of looking around tries something and she holds a hand out and casts a spell and there is a brief flash of light but it seems to miss the paraton that was directly in front of you. Another paraton towards the back is going straight for Nyssa. So it flies all the way up and tries to first gore you. And Nyssa, you quickly draw a dagger and like deflect the antler that breaks and scrapes across its neck as it then tries to hit you with its talons and just completely whiffs as you take a step to the side as it then pulls back five feet. To no opportunity attack. The slod, Scriv, because of your high passive perception, that damage burn that you saw in its chest from Akiva's force blast dissipates and heals. Okay. It then seems to form a platform in front of it as it moves closer to all of you. So it's make it seems to form a bridge in front of it as a bridge behind it dissipates back into the chaos as it seems to create land for itself as it gets closer, but not within your range. It's still 15 feet away from you. And now a whole slew of these paratons. First one is going to go up to Nyssa. It flies in, goes to attack. Nyssa, you just take a step back as it swipes its antlers in the air and those rakes the ground in front of you uh, and then pulls 10 feet back. The next one is going for you, Belinda. It goes to hit you with its antlers and you take a step back as it, like, hits your armor slightly, knocking you off balance, though, and it rakes you with its talon, dealing eight points of slap, piercing damage. And then it pulls back ten feet. Another one is going for Scriv, and two attacks on you. As it flies up at you, it slams you in the chest with its antlers, dealing first fifteen points of piercing damage. Can I... As a reaction to being hit with that one, use my reaction to attempt to push it back and negate the second attack with my Dusk Shield. You can. What does it say that it does? As a reaction, when a target hits you with a melee attack within five feet of you, you can attempt to repel them from it. Target must make a strength save or take 2d8 thunder damage and be pushed back 10 feet. It saves. But you, it still takes half damage, so go ahead and roll that damage. 13 damage, so halved is 6. You watch as Scriv gets hit with these antlers, stumbles back. His shield seems to crack for a moment as it pulse echoes out towards the periton. It recoils, but it seems to hold its ground. Quick think crack meaning the sound, not crack meaning it is cracked. It looks cracked and it actually like makes a cracking sound, but immediately after it reseals. But then it does rake you with its talons and you take in a additional eight points of piercing damage. So altogether, it was 24. Uh, and then it will pull back 10 feet. Another one is going to go for you, Nyssa. First one's going to hit you out of its two attacks. So the first one, as it comes in, slams you with its antlers, dealing 12 points of piercing damage. And as it goes to rake you with its claws, you kind of like shove it back and like duck low as it just swipes at the air. And then it will also pull back to the side brings us to you though, Nissa. I would like to send a magic missile to the Periton that just attacked me, please. All three? Uh, yeah. Roll your damage. Uh, 14 total. You form three bolts in your hand that lash out towards this Periton 
and it slams three times as it you just see it like crack a wing and crack the side. It doesn't look great, but it's not down. And then the last one is going to come in at Scriv's side. Both hit for a total with the two attacks of 20 points of damage. So it slams you with its antlers, and as you're stumbling, it rakes across your chest. It is your turn. For my bonus action, I would like to use a greater healing potion. I healed for 12, so I'm back up to 15. For my action, I would like to attempt to summon a wall. Okay. Just something that would provide shelter from above and in front. Make an intelligence check for me. 18. Okay. So you're trying to do in front of you and above you, or like straight up? In front and atop, sort of like a castle a castle wall with little murder holes that come out of it. So you want to make arrow slits? Yes. So as Scriv takes his greater healing and chugs it down and then tries to do what you were told, exert control on the chaos, you focus your attention and a chunk of earth that is flying past suddenly stops and forms a barrier up and around you, creating small openings that you can see the peritons through. You now have this barrier protecting you. And I'll just lean up against the stone wall. <laughs> Please don't go anywhere for a minute. Belinda. I am going to use the life spear to cast the healing word for Scriv. 2d4 plus 3, so you get 8 points back. I would like to use my ability that's a 60-foot cone, which requires me to slither right and rotate. Yeah. You get all of them. Excellent. Uh, I am going to unleash my Psychic Blast, which cost me six points. And that is my cone of Psychic Energy, 60-foot cone. Each creature has to make an int saving throw. My DC is 16. Okay. What was the total damage? 28 points of Psychic Damage. Belinda grips the Life Spear and releases a healing word to Scriv as some of the wounds on you knit and mend magically. Then she runs to the furthest end of this platform that you're on, turns, and seems to stare, focusing all of her attention on the enemies ahead of you as every single periton shriek and their tops of their heads with the antlers just go flying off in a somewhat disgusting explosion. And you see them start to fall and some of them get hit by this passing blast of fire. One gets slammed by some acid with what bodies that remain as they seem to fall into this chaotic nothingness. I'll move back so I'm over by the party again. Akiva, I need you to make a dexterity saving throw. 11. As you are standing here, a moat of flame just flies and hits you in the chest and flies past. You take a total of uh, nine points of fire damage. I will go ahead and just Eldritch Blast them. So uh, what are the two attack rolls? 13 for the first and 27 for the second. The 27 hits, the 13 misses. Well, that is 15 force damage and six necrotic damage. So a total of 21. You release another two Eldritch Blasts, one that passes just by him. The other slams into his stomach as he recoils back slightly from the force of the blow. He's looking hurt. Dora Hill is going to look over to you, Scriv, since uh, she is kind of just behind Akiva and Akiva's next to you. And she's going to put a hand on your shoulder. You heal by 7 HP. Thank you. Uh, I hope that helps a little bit. More than you know. But it is its turn. It's going to go for you, Akiva. So it is creates this platform as it walks all the way up to you. And then... As it gets right up to your space, forms a wall kind of to help block Nissa and Belinda's view of it. As it gets up to you, it chomps down into your shoulder, dealing eight points of piercing damage. And as you shove it off of you and take a step back, it claws the air and scrapes your armor, but misses. Nissa. Can I actually reach the creature because it's put a barrier up? You can't see him. Can I try and get rid of the wall? Sure. Make an intelligence check. 11. A small section of the wall dissipates into the chaos. And there is a five-foot gap in this wall now. You could fire a crossbow bolt. You could. I will do that, please. Nine. So you focused as you seem to will some of the wall to 
dissipate. And perhaps in a little bit of surprise that it worked, you fire maybe a little too quick and it still cracks into the remaining wall. I need Scriv to make a dexterity saving throw. It's a 14. So you see a hunk of rock fly at you and clips the wall that you had made and just shatters harmlessly beside you. So it's your turn now. Can I shape the chaos and have spikes come out of the earth that is beneath the creature? You can certainly try. Roll an intelligence check. 17. As this is happening, spikes shoot up into the ground, partially coming out of his uh, webbed feet and seems to at least temporarily stick him to the ground that he had created. Roll 2d6 for me. Three damage. They hurt. I would like to spend my action surge to slash at the creature with my blade. Okay, make an attack roll. That is a 16. Even with that wall in front of you, does just hit him. I would then like to use one of my superiority die to make it into a tripping attack. He does save, but you get to still add the damage to it. 17 damage total. So you go and you slash at his leg. Still remains standing, but he is looking very hurt again. And as a bonus action, I would like to spend my second wind and recover some hit points. And I recover 12 hit points. Belinda, you're up. I can see the slot off to my side, and he is within 60 feet of me, so I'm going to unleash my ego whip. So he's going to have to make an intelligence saving throw, DC 16. On a failed save, he's going to take 3d8 psychic damage and be filled with terrible self-doubt. What is the total damage? So it's seven. Yeah, he failed the save. Okay, so he can only take the dodge, disengage, or hide actions next turn. Okay, so you focus on him and find a portion in his little slod brain and strike at it, causing uncertainty in him. Akiva. I will actually toll the dead. So he fails. 16 points of necrotic damage. So you point a finger and hear, and it just kind of grips its chest. You see it start to decay, but it's still holding on. You're the last one that took a hit, so Dorahill puts a hand on you. You feel some of your wounds knit and close. You get 8 HP back. Big Frogman's turn. The Slod seems to heal a little. However, he's taking the dodge action. He's just like looking back and forth and just kind of ready to move if someone tries to hit him. Nissa. I will try and attack with a sword. Okay. Make your attack roll at disadvantage though. Nine. Miss. Uh, bonus action? I can try with the crossbow. I'm assuming it's still going to be... Yes, because he did take the dodge action. 14. 14 hits. So, Nissa, what's the damage? It's 14 total then. How do you want to do this? Bolt to the eye. So as he's dodging, weaving, Nissa, you run up and you go to strike at him, but he's ready and he just bats your blade aside with his webbed hand. But as he does, you lift your hand crossbow, point it straight at his face and fire as a bolt passes into one eye and out the back of his skull. The ground beneath him seems to instantly dissipate and he just falls. You guys are going to be out of initiative, but there is still flying stuff all around you. I'll start exerting my will to make a walkway across to the other side. And I will create a like overhead cover. Go ahead and each of you make an intelligence check for me. Seven. Crit fail, three. 24. Eight. Akiva, Scriv, you're trying to help to create a pathway to the other side. Nissa, you're trying as well, but there's moments where you see like small bits of earth and air. As you start to step in, you realize you instantly uh, have no oxygen beyond that point. Belinda, fortunately though, with a 24, forms a platform with oxygen around it, halfway across the room. So you are halfway through before something happens. I need Nissa to make a dexterity saving throw. 22. While you are not focusing on, you're trying to keep the, this like formation of something to help protect you, a bolt of electricity flies at you. You see at the last minute and you just like hug the ground as it passes overhead, grounding yourself from any sort of electrical damage. I need one more intelligence check from everybody. Five. 16. Crit fail so far. 24. Belinda forms 
a platform for the remainder of the way up to this doorway that as soon as the platform you focus on seems to hit the edge of the doorway, you see a portal form. As you run towards it, I'm not even going to make you save, Belinda, because that's two 19s in a row that you just rolled. And with Scriv's 16 to help create a barrier, at least for like part of the way, you do notice a shard of ice flying for you, Belinda, as Scriv helps to form a barrier to crash against it. It does destroy the wall Scriv creates, but you're able to all get through to the other side. And you find yourselves seeming to appear in front of the door that was the door to Archon. And as you look back at the door, that slight glowing inverted pyramid seems to shift as if it just got loose. I reach out and touch the disc. Comes right out. Awesome. That was a rush. Yep, that's definitely the way you could describe it. Is everybody okay? But we might want to take a, a quick breather uh, before we try going to any of those other doors, if, especially if they're going to be like that. Yeah. Yes, you guys can take a short rest. So is it always like that for you, Belinda? Just being able to shape the forces of reality? I guess this is this is this what you all feel like all the time? Just being able to shape the world and mold it to your will? Is that magic? No, that was kind of a first time, but I thought it was pretty easy, right? For you, teacher. Thanks. No? Well, it was a test, obviously, and we passed. Thank you for taking out all seven of those guys, by the way. Oh, yeah, I've never done that before. It just felt like something I could do. <laughs> I got some insight from that, um, that sassy child we met. Oh. It's really easy to do. You just sort of think about it, and just their minds are crushed. I sober up instantly. <laughs> I will shakily get up and see if I can fit the Archon tablet into its spot in the door. You place it, and it seems to lock in. Like, it pulls from your hand as you put it up to it. Is our guest doing okay? That was, that, that was a, a lot. Yeah, it was almost like some sort of pocket dimension of, like, elemental chaos. At this point, I assume the rest of these are also pocket dimensions, maybe indicative of the deity that they represent. Okay, so the next one would be the pocket dimension of Adar, the god of order, knowledge, and travel. It should be delightful, right? Perhaps we will do some documentation for our test. Dorhill, are you okay? I'm alright. There is a lot here. I am not the type to go on adventuring much, but... We'd appreciate it. I'm sure you'll have a lot to share about this experience once we leave, but it might be better not to. I concur. Because as far as I'm aware, those four symbols on the floor by the shrine did not exist before today. Also, another more mundane question. Is someone going to be missing you? I don't know how long we're going to be here. I am the only one that presides over the shrine. People can come and go as they will. No spouse back home or children who are waiting to be fed or something. No. How are you doing, Akiva? You had some challenges there. I'm okay. I just missed a couple times and it was hard to aim with all the stuff flying all over the place. The debris certainly was distracting. Yeah. <laughs> And you kind of got hit by some random fire. Not something that happens every day. How about you, Nissa? Do you do you need any healing or anything? Or are you doing okay? I'm doing okay. I hope the next challenge will be maybe less physically taxing. That was kind of insane. Well, I guess we're going to go uh, check on the challenge in Adar's chamber. Yup. As you approach, the symbol of the scroll on the door seems to glow. You open the door. You see a similar looking floor uh, tile though a little nicer but there's a similar strange misty barrier about 10 feet in i'm actually going to go ahead uh, just because uh, whatever we're going up against another pair of eyes couldn't hurt i'm gonna bamf out lazarus dora hill just <laughs> sorry she instinctually like seems to start to cast He's my familiar pauses of course not a real dragon you are a little dragon aren't you buddy <laughs> dora hill is dagger eyes towards this thing. I keep forgetting you guys have stigmas against this. Sorry. You can kind of see in her a little bit of held back anger and fear towards this thing. But she's kind of seems to be calmed down. She's like, it's a familiar? Okay. I understand that. He's a good boy. He would never hurt anybody. He's a useful scout. So, uh, Scrib, do you think we should just go through again? Yep. And 
read out anything you see like last time. No problem. I guess that announces what the challenge is each time. So you guys walk in. The door closes behind you as writing appears along this misty wall. As the chaos was tempered by law, law learned that knowledge would be the greatest weapon against such forces. Those who wish to cross this room must show their understanding and reasoning and answer the questions presented. The barrier disappears and you find yourself in a massive library. We gotta read books! From left to right, books extend all the way down seemingly endlessly. However, a few feet from you is a pedestal that is held up and seems to have writing on it. As you approach, you hear what sounds like the flutter of wings and seeming above the bookshelf that extends 60 feet in the air, a lion-like form, long wings, and a female human's face just softly lands on the top bookshelf, rests, and stares down at all of you. <gasps> yes! It's a sphinx! It just stares, as if waiting. Approach the pedestal? So, on the pedestal is written, What is it that we love more than life? Fear more than death. The rich want it. The poor have it. The miser spends it. And the spendthrift saves it. Since we don't actually know what sphinxes are, can I make a... Make an arcana check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 26. 13. 10. 9. So if you know about sphinxes because of various writings and drawings about them, you never see them. These aren't creatures you ever see. Nyssa, you know that there are, that sphinxes are these kind of guardian type of creatures. This one in particular you know is called uh, a gynosphinx, a female sphinx. Belinda. Sphinxes are divine guardians, usually set to protect a particular area, um, magical gateways, or sacred, sacred sites. They are also, in many ways, protectors of magical tests. They do not like cheaters, and will strike quickly should one attempt to circumvent the uh, sacred sites that they are there to protect. One thing you, Belinda, are aware of from studying sphinxes is uh, they have resistance to non-magical weaponry and are immune to psychic damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, not, we're not picking a fight with the Sphinx, for sure. <laughs> they are also spellcasters. You cannot read their thoughts in any way. And any person that's tried to uh, read their intentions seems to be unable to do so, no matter how good they are at it. So that's what you're aware of for Sphinx. What is this question is asking us? I don't understand. It, it's a riddle. It's obviously something... What is something that fulfills all of these criteria? I think I have an idea. It's happiness, isn't it? It's not happiness, because the miser does not spend happiness. They spend nothing. And the poor have nothing. <laughs> I know. Is that your answer? Nothing. The pedestal fades, and the sphinx nods. And you see about 20 feet ahead of you, a new pedestal forms. As you approach, the riddle in this one says... It holds most knowledge that has ever been said, but is not the brain, is not the head. To feathers and their masters, tis both bane and boon. I was like, oh, it's like a quill? And then I'm like, wait, hot? Brains are really my specialty, so unfortunately that's been ruled out. <laughs> but it can't be the brain. I'm gonna go with book. That is the answer. It dissipates. A third pedestal appears, ten feet from a doorway that seems to suddenly form in the air. Just beyond it, you walk up, and it has one line written on it. You must keep it after giving it. It's a secret. Or a promise. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. You share a secret. You don't give a secret. Your word. Is that your answer? Yes. The third pedestal dissipates, and the Sphinx nods, and the door opens as a portal forms. Can I look at the books before we leave? Are you walking up to the books, or are you just- Yes. I would like to walk up to the books. A paw- inches over the edge of the bookshelf and you see claws extend slightly as you get closer. So, we don't touch the books? Thank you for your time. <laughs> Let's go. I'm tugging him. Are you resisting? No, I'm going. You all walk through the portal and appear on the other side of the Adar doorway. The scroll imagery shifts slightly in its frame on the door. Grab it. I don't think we need to take another break. <laughs> that one was significantly easier and less harrowing. 
That's because we got it right. I'm going to go and put this in the door now. And it sinks into the doorframe. So you guys walk up to the door that has a glowing set of what looks like carved eyes that are connected just at the center point. You open the door and a similar floor is before you with a similar misty wall. As you walk in, the door closes behind you. And appearing in the mist, Good learned she had a difficult task. Her choices were not easy ones, for evil was cunning, sly, and persistent. There are many choices that lay before you in life. Not always the easy ones are the right ones. As the final word is said, the mist doesn't dissipate, but encompass all of you. So, Akiva, as the mist encompasses your form, everything around you is just darkness. All sound is gone. There's a burst of air that pushes your hair back and kind of causes you to squint for a moment. And when it dissipates, the mist is gone. You're in, sadly, a familiar place. A darkened sky at the edges of the Sorrowlands within your home of the Shadowfell. Fun. This was the place you were taken to be executed. You hear a familiar voice behind you and turn to see empty white highs, the bald head with the missing left ear of your father as he stares at you with disappointment. Hello, Dad. Hello, Akiva. You shouldn't have returned. Ah, I understand that. I had hoped that you would be destroyed and reborn, perhaps a better person than the one who left me. I've learned a lot since I've been gone, and I can safely say I am a better person than you. I don't know if I'm a good person, but I try my best every chance I can. And yet you will not follow the will of Nizalem, the will that our people has been trying to follow for millennia. You have not grown up, Akiva. That is a shame. If blindly following the will of Nizalem and not making your own choices and deciding what is right for yourself makes me a child, then I will gladly stay a child for the rest of my days. Then a child, I will leave you to remain. And he starts to turn and walk away. And at this point you realize Lazarus isn't with you. He was just on your shoulder. And as your father begins to walk away, you hear Lazarus's familiar cry and get a sensation of fear from Lazarus. And you turn and look, and 150, 200 feet from you, you see Lazarus, his wing looks hurt. He's struggling to keep moving as this undead bestial creature is pursuing him. And you hear, as it's like scampering to get away. I'll run to him. Do I have any of my weapons? As you start to turn, you draw your kopesh, and you hear behind you a cry of pain from your father. And you turn, and one of the creatures is on top of him. His sword knocked aside, not 30 feet from you. He is being scratched at by this same sort of bestial creature that's clawing and scraping at him. I will say to Lazarus, I'm sorry, buddy. You'll be okay. And then I'll go and run and... Can I sling an Eldritch Blast at the beast on my dad? You turn away from Lazarus and release an Eldritch Blast. And the world dissipates. And you find yourself outside the good door of Serdea with a warmth in your chest and a sensation as Lazarus clings to your shoulder and is just like hey, buddy. of happiness. <sighs> so Nissa, as the mist covers you, all sound dissipates around you. You don't see anything, but a wind pushes your hair back. You kind of shield your eyes briefly from the intensity of it and the mist fades. You're on the quiet streets of Orenthal in the low hills. And you hear an angry voice in the building beside you. And you turn, and you see Master Harrow, his voice barely carrying through the glass as he is chastising Miss Enna. You hear him say, Just leave me, you pathetic woman. Get from here. She tears in her eyes, starts to leave the room. You see him go, and he sits, and he lays down, and seems to be trying to fall asleep. So at that moment, you notice the window's slightly ajar. I'm going to clamber up the window and go inside. Before you get up to the window, as you start to approach, you hear a small cry of pain. You turn, and you see someone being pushed about. Human, beefy-looking guy. And it takes you a moment to realize there are three people approaching him, daggers drawn. 
And at a closer look, you see it's Wyatt Connell. Blood off his lip as he gets backhanded by one of these three other attackers. You could get to him, but you turn back to the window to look. You see Master Harrow is rubbing his eyes. His eyes still closed as he lays down like he's trying to rest. I really want to go deal with Master Harrow. Blades are approaching Wyatt. I'll go help out Wyatt. I'm going to have a hand on my sword and just stand in front of Wyatt and just, I don't know, yell, hey, maybe go pick on somebody your own size. So you run and get in front of Wyatt as these blades are about to come down. Yell at these three, as you get close, realize faceless attackers. And the world turns to mist. And you find yourself outside the door, beside Akiva, with a warmth in your chest. The mist surrounds you, Scriv, and all sound goes away. A blast of air hits you, strong enough to kind of start to push your hair back, and you have to shield your face for a moment. But when it ends, the mist is gone. You find yourself in a small room. There's a slight pain in your side. And you look up and you hear scritching of a quill on paper. And you see Orlay. You're behind her. She hasn't noticed you yet. But as you peek around, you see documents allowing for an expedition to Silverkeep to inspect the ruins. A forgery. A familiar forgery at that. And there's nothing else here? There's a table. Candle. But you find yourself in the tiny little dive bar kind of place that Orlay asked you to come see her at. Except no one within. Just the two of you. I just watch quietly for maybe half a minute. Take it in. My side hurts. And you kind of look at it. It's not the side that took the injury. It's the side she stabbed you in. And you press your hand to it for a moment. And you see a red spot form beneath your clothing. Only then do you notice... On her hip, a dagger with dried blood. There is an inkwell? There is. I'd like to tip the inkwell over onto the paperwork. She's... Uh, uh, Scriv! Um... Uh, uh, she kind of starts to back up. I just take a seat at the table. Make my hands pl- clearly visible. She has suddenly a da- her dagger in her hand. Why didn't you ask me for help? You left me no choice, Scriv. Uh, at the you time. never asked. You could have asked I anything. I did, and you said... No, you knew there were other ways that I could have been helped. And you said no. You didn't know the royal cleric. You couldn't help me any other way, Scriv, apparently. So you left me no choice. And now what? As you watch, her skin feels looks sunken more and more. I'm wasting away in a realm in pain. And there's nothing I can do to stop that right now. Isn't there? You're in a realm that I can't even begin to approach. But someone can. One person. Almost behind Orlay, you swear you see Akiva, but there's something wrong about him. Umbra? A kopesh is suddenly in Akiva's hand. Orlay has not noticed him. Akiva can get you to me. I, I, I know what I did was wrong, but can, can you forgive me for what I did? Akiva lifts the kopesh high up. I will run and put myself between Orlay and Akiva. You run up, put your shield active as it forms around you as the kopesh falls, and it turns to mist before hitting you, as does the world around you. And when you fades, while there is a heaviness in your heart, there is a strange, unnatural warmth there too. I'll cry just a little bit. So Belinda, as the mist surrounds you, all sound goes away. Gust of wind presses against you, strong enough that you kind of lift your hand to shield your eyes. And it fades a moment later. You find yourself in the Temple of Adar in Orenthal, on a what feels like a very familiar day. Okay. You see Catherine at the under, other end of the shrine. I'll go to her. She picks her head up. Belinda, my powers aren't quite working, but I I don't know what's happening. I'll lay a, a hand like, on her shoulder. I'm sure it's nothing. I, It'll all be fine. We'll figure this out. There's there's one thing we can find out. There's a ritual I read about a long time ago. It requires sacrifice, but we could reach the Nexus, Adar's realm. If there's something I need to sacrifice, I mean, what is it? A person. Me. 
You would be consumed by the ritual? I would be destroyed, but you could find out what happened. You suddenly realize life's spear is in your hand, and it wasn't a moment ago. That's a relic of his. I know. In the ritual, you could destroy me and open a gate to find him. I would need to kill you? I can sacrifice myself for the knowledge. Trade one life for the answer? You would know. I don't do that anymore. You won't open the portal? I won't sacrifice others to achieve my own goals. I don't do that anymore. You know that, Catherine. And I'll put the spear down. And as you do, it fades into mist. There's a slight, kind of reassuring smile from Catherine, as the rest of the world fades into mist as well. And you find yourself outside the door of Serdea with your allies. And that is where we're going to leave this episode for today. Thank you all for listening. Please share this with your friends and follow us on Twitter at Rules as Written, or check out our website, dndraw.com. And feel free to email any questions to the DM at dm at dndraw.com. Also, subscribe and leave us a review or comment anywhere podcasts are found. And please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash dndraw. Until next time! If you enjoy the adventures of our characters in Ostia and our show about the rules for 5th edition, support us on Patreon. For just $1 a month, you will get exclusive content and updates. If you're interested in a look behind the curtain of how we keep track of all of our quests, we are going to be releasing our players' to-do list document for each session to all patrons going forward. This includes our plans for which characters need to have a heart-to-heart, what letters are they writing to family at home, and which NPCs can't be trusted. Beyond that, higher tiers get DMs notes, bloopers from our episodes, and to add an item or NPC to a D&D Raw episode. So we want to give a special shout out to our Adventure Tier and Above patrons. So thank you Waldron, Carol Morris, William McCracken, Ryan Rea Vermette, Mike C, Naked and Afraid, Feral Joe, Jeremy Kleinons, and a Linux fan. We are especially grateful to our producer tier patrons who listen to our audio before anyone else to give feedback and shape the final episode. We want to give a special thanks to Christopher Reinhardt for serving as a producer on this episode. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dndraw.